guys, welcome back to the Jobs Handle Podcast. My name is Adam. Uh, we're about to guys from Melbourne talk about nerdy stuff. Next to me is... Nick. Hi guys, I'll be talking... Uh, I'll be introducing a new segment called Nick's Picks this week. Oh yeah. Um, my name is Dylan, I'm back again. And my topic for this week is... Um, uh, with the recent release of Red Dead Redemption 2 and the uh, basic undeniable... Like, I guess, like influence that it's um arguably going to have and everything my question was do you guys have any kind of like uh i guess like examples that you can think of that when as you were experiencing it like you could feel that it was going to be like a like other revolutionary or like influential step in its um medium like a film or a game or like you know a piece of music i suppose and hmm. yeah interesting next level <laughs> uh, oh and this guy is uh, Duke. Uh, i'm i'm Duke. I'm gonna be talking about boring films and what makes them boring. <laughs> not, it's not, oh, yeah. not because I like films are like my life, but like I've just noticed that like so lately nowadays I go to the like go to the movies and I'm like, why am I bored? Like that shouldn't happen. I should be like, and it, there's no consistency. Like you can watch a film about someone sitting next to a leaf, and it could be more captivating than like wow. an action adventure. So it's it's not about. Yeah. There's just there's something. That makes films boring, and I want to know what it is, so we can all interesting not do that. Um, and I'm Adam, and I'm talking about the uh, cross pollinization of East pop culture and uh, Western pop culture. Um, I'm only saying this because is everyone familiar with the Macy's Parade in America? Yes. Yeah. Was yes. it? Was it? Oh, I went. Yeah, you I went. Right. So this year, um, they're gonna have a balloon for that's right, Goku. a dragon. Yeah, Goku from Dragon Ball. Really? Which is you know traditionally a Japanese property. Is that getting a lot of hate? It's getting a lot of It's getting a lot of butt hurt. Yeah. It's getting positive, like feedback. It's Dragon oh, Ball good. Z. Anyone who's gonna comment is gonna be a Dragon Ball Z fan. Exactly. And no one's hating it so far. Yeah. So my question is, what has the Eastern culture given to the pop uh, Western culture, and what has the Western culture given to the Eastern culture in terms of like pop mm. culture, anime, cartoons, such and such? Yeah. Yeah. My first example is Godzilla. That's very true. Godzilla and the whole that whole extended universe with like Mothra and Ghidorah. And, and kaijus and yeah you see like cross giant monsters giant monsters cross pollination that's it's, a cool genre though i like that yeah the but monster, the what, what can you say yeah isn't the reverse of that what has i'm going to use america's because america is just popping mm-hmm. out a lot of that crap what has america given to you know well japan america, america <laughs> and the west of, i mean america and like japan are pretty like intrinsically linked ever since world war Two, and it's like you get you get the sense that they both like feed off of each other and like you know kind of like present you know themselves to each other as well because they're both they're both they can both be very similar but they're also like incredibly like disparately different so yeah. like but that's why we've got films where it's like you know the departed is like an undeniably like american film but it's like an adaption of like you know a western remake i suppose of like a japanese film mm. from like mm. whatever 2002 or something and it's like the popularity of anime in in like America as well, like such an outlandishly Eastern concept. Like these, mm. if you watch some of these shows, like aspects of One Punch Man are like a, a fairly like I guess like homoerotic in nature and everything of like those kind of characters that are like overly flamboyant and everything. And usually in American context, if like that was done by an American show, 
it would no no I don't think it'd be anywhere near as popular as it other as it arguably is. Mm. So it's kind of fascinating mm, to see. Like, I agree. But then you've got cartoons that you know are made in America, which are really big in Japan, like um, Ruby from Roots. Oh, Kid. Rooster Teeth. Yeah, and it was a Avatar Last Airbender. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, you know what? I would say the biggest thing America has contributed to Japan is an audience that there are so many people in America and Europe and Australia who are, are watching uh, Japanese media and there's such a huge culture in the West of people consuming anime and um, what, what's the, what are the novels called? Light, Ma- manga. Light, light novels. Yeah. Like there's so many people, I know so many people who consume their media yeah. that I think that's probably the Even biggest in thing. games, man. Like that's they're, very still, true they're held up as like, you know, you've got Western games and Eastern games, but they're both cross like, you know, pollinated. Right. It looks like Devil May Cry. That's not traditionally. If you yeah. look at it, that game is not Eastern in, in, in its nature. Same with Resident Evil. Resident Evil is by like Capcom as well. That's a straight Japanese oh, yeah, company. True. And right. that game like rips a lot of like horror tropes off of like, you know, American kind of like horror tropes. Yeah. Like the haunted house and everything, like the mansion in the woods and shit, zombies. Horror films as well. Something yeah. Japanese have done that American uh, horror culture has taken aboard like nothing I've ever seen before. Like, uh, was it The Grudge? There's like a whole nother film series um, created by uh, some Japanese film company. Where they re- totally redid and like redubbed all the the grudge. But was that like a Japanese version? Like, it was a Japanese remake of the of the Western with Japanese version. people of Asian people. I think so, yeah. And then they redid it and then sold it uh, and marketed towards uh, the like the Asian market in really in in the Western culture. That's interesting because the Ring did the same thing except in America because the, the ring, ring. Remember the yeah, remember the Ring? That yeah, movie, like the yeah, girl, the like TV. the long hair, calls on the TV. Yeah, that's based on a, like a Japanese horror film that came first called Ringu. So they just did the same thing and made a franchise out of it over here. What do you guys think of like, this is kind of different, but it's definitely in the same umbrella. I notice it the most, if not that I've seen the film, because I won't watch films of this quality, but um, I know of it in like the media that like, if you look at like Michael Bay's latest Transformers film, it's like primarily an American film. Sure. But there's like a quarter of it that is so aggressively made so they can market all of that yeah. and all the trailers to that's international audiences. And like, that, so that's that's pandering. Like featuring that, Japanese cars and like well, Japanese no, cars. Right. And, like, and like fame, yeah. So with, um, what was the last Didn't Transformers Honest movie? Honest rip of that? There's, a, did, new, yeah. there's yeah. a new Transformers film coming out. So that's, that's not Michael Bay though. No, what, it's, a, it's a new director. What number are we up to? Because I really It's five. It's bullshit. Or six. We've lost track. We're, we're making like prequels up to this point now. Yeah. But um, the last one was like, most of that was in, no, it wasn't that. The, the one with like dinobots, with dinosaur yeah, robots. They moved it to Age of Extinction. City at the end, right? Yeah, that was in Hong Kong. That was that the, the battle yeah. was in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. But that movie did better in China than it did in America, I think. Yeah. So you got a point there. So mm. it's like because my the the question is like some people get angry. Like, I get annoyed about that. I mean like Transformers is trash anyway. But is if a film does that, my question is like is that is it bad or is like is it is it insincere? to move something to another country 
if it doesn't actually matter to the story and you're just doing it yeah. to sell tickets. Because I think it is, but I, I also don't want to like... Hollywood studios do whatever they need to do to make money anyway. So I wouldn't say that it's like... I don't know how I feel about it is it, what I'm saying. It's insincere you know I mean? for like a... For a obviously like financial gain. Like, you know, mm, to set like your story in this kind pandering. of... Yeah, it's blatantly it's pandering. To yeah, 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 you're at, right. But at the same time, it's like... It's like Hollywood does this shit all the time. Anyway. A very really obvious way of that is yeah. you. You mentioned it before, the Ghost Michelle movie. Yeah, Ghost Michelle is you know um, a a really. I haven't actually seen the original Ghost Michelle anime, oh, but classic. It, it's like it's a classic yeah. in the anime community. But then you've got. What came out of that? Whitewashing? Yeah, this got uh, started Scarlett Scarlet Johansson, but apparently the... that was the choice of. Um, the creator, the the developers themselves, and they did um, test viewing um, like in China um, for what um, the market in China wanted. In China, uh, I think it was China. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, because statistics from China can be trusted. <laughs> and they they found that what people wanted most was Western Western white actresses. And they responded more positively than... Not than Japan. That's not Japan. Weird. That's even more interesting. That's... Okay, that's super interesting at this point. Because I... Wait, I thought weird. it was because Scarlett Johansson just happened to be producing it and they're like, fuck it, we'll let... You know, <laughs> you're a big name. Yeah. But the, like, the point is that they, they responded more positively to uh, Scarlett Johansson than, uh, I don't know, a lesser known... Well, lesser known here, maybe. Did you watch the movie? The remake? No, I haven't seen it. The, the Scarlett Johansson? No, I haven't, watch I, it. I haven't seen it either. Me neither. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should watch the movies before. I've seen the original and like, like there's already an argument to be made that like, just leave it alone in the first place. I, I saw like, some of the remake, the remake anime, is that what you're talking about? The remake of the anime? Live, live action. action. No, there was, a, there was a series that came out two to three years ago, which was essentially kind of like a HD remake of the original with a slightly... Different ending, I think. I've only seen the original. From like, what, the 90s? Yeah. 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 That's the only one I've seen. Was it the 90s? It was the 90s. It was definitely the 90s. Yeah. It looked, the animation quality looks like oh, it was. Oh, it was, because was in the 80s, so... Wait, Akira's from the 80s? I'm pretty sure Akira's from the 80s. But so, that, that's also a good example, because Akira is used in the Western as well. Like, Western... What, what's the movie that came out this year? Ready Player One. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, because Akira, the the Akira references Jones. in it. See, that, oh, that's a God. great because that movie wasn't super forceful. <laughs> Ready Player One. It was like in, it was just littered with references, and that's like. But it wasn't like you. There were references for the sake of references. I had. Yeah, exactly. It didn't have much to do with the story. No, it didn't. But it was just a massive pop culture jerk fest, and it was like we get it. It Spielberg, you're cool. It like, kind of worked in the sense that it was like. Of what it was like, if you're ever gonna do a film where you have fill it with all these references of all these other movies, yeah. it, would, it would be Ready Player One because it's a movie set inside a video game, and like it makes sense in the context of the movie. But yeah. like outside of the movie, looking in, it's like, well, yeah, you just you just like a giant callback. Film. This is like a bit of an aside. I wonder how those references played out in like the actual book of like you know of that movie. Because I want to, because it feels like it's almost overwhelming like this, as if it's like, did you get that one? Did you get that one? Did you get that one? <laughs> yeah. Because like, 
right now we're so pop culture obsessed but, but that, like does the book turn it more about the focuses on the narrative and the character and the structure and all that sort like of shit like a little asterisk next to yeah. every line and, and like was, at the bottom of the page as like a reference to yeah. what that was because if you're writing a book you can't really fuck around with that and everything you can't really take away time to like point out a pop culture reference for the sake of it and especially for like the quantity in that movie but um but I'm sure they added like extras in as well oh yeah the movie definitely like because that book came out I can't tell you when the book came out ages ago yeah it was a while ago yeah. And there were references to like. I didn't even realize it was a book. Shit. It was a book. Yeah. I, I know it was a book before. I only heard about it in primary school, so like it was a while back. Interesting. Damn. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But okay, so just to finish off this topic, do you think that the cross pollination sort of get bigger over time, or like would it stagnate eventually? Nah, I think it's just gonna get. It'll bigger. grow. I reckon the two cultures will merge to the point where you can't differentiate two cultures, oh, yeah. and it'll just be one. Because big- like. Anime Match. is a lot more accessible to people now than it yeah. used to be like 15, 20 years ago. Well, yeah. think about that, man. Like Japanese culture in general, like anime and manga and like all those kind of things. And K-pop as well has a massive mm. like following, like obsessive following. And it's yeah. like, right. it's just growing bigger and bigger. And it's like, I just think in the next three decades, we'll just see Blade Runner eventually. And we'll just be walking down the streets and there'll be neon signs of Japanese font. And yeah. we wonder which country we're in. Like it's not East and West Berlin anymore. It's just like, it's just the wall's down, guys. The wall's down. The wall's down. But you know, and all the weird stuff coming out. Yeah. yeah. All that weird stuff coming in. Oh. Yeah. I had this weird stuff from both cultures. Who are we kidding? It's That's like this, it's it's made by the people. So like if someone if like we're at the point now with like com- computers where like anyone can make like pretty much a full film, animated in their house. Yeah. And they can like if they want to do if they were driven to anyone can do it, and just like put it out there. So it's not really created by a culture it's more of the individual and the individual is everywhere because the yeah, culture's got to change but there's actually. cultural like you know kind of that's true but cultural culture isn't located it anywhere from. though it's like th- after the development of the internet it's like there's no central location for a culture like before that it was like yeah there's japanese culture in japan but now you have like central like locations and yeah but if you go to texas online, you're not like, going to tell anyone me anyone can go to that in, in tokyo like you'll know clearly clearly yes but it's not only <laughs> there like, people can like don't have these differentiations but like locations certainly do but there are like, definitely far, yeah. there are like locales where like culture is rich but there's they also exist other, other places like i would say if not more rich because that's where people like people, especially online, go to specifically and express their views and like share content specifically for uh, a, like a yeah a piece of media or I guess culture isn't a vacuum. You know, it's always going to be like changing as it goes on because yeah. it's culture is made up by groups of individuals and not like individuals specifically themselves. So it's like exactly that's why we're seeing like emerging anyway because like all these like Eastern influences that at one point, like decades ago would have been like taboo or like, you know, rejected by conservative, like American society is now being more and more widely picked up because there's becoming a wider and wider audience for it as time goes on. I'm trying to think of a great example for that, but I can't. I'm sure there is one. Oh, there probably is. There probably is. Oh, come to me. Um, Duke? My topic? Your topic. Welcome back, by the way. Yeah. Sorry. I had like, I was trying to get something out of my uh, tape. Um, <laughs> this whole time. No, just the end there. So film, I had no idea what you guys were talking about. <laughs> boring films, right? 
Um, yeah, like I saw. All right, so no, no hate against First Man. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I reckon it, it's interesting enough. Kind of, um, it does do some cool things with the characterization that are like pretty like intelligent. I think. But the thing that struck me and the, and um, everyone I saw it with, two of which are here, was that you, there were times where like you felt like you should have been more invested than you were and I at least speaking personally I don't I couldn't really pinpoint it as anything specific other than like a lot of the scenes were just boring and like I've been thinking about this lately as well with like a lot of things I see which is like there's films that I watch that I find so captivating and then there's films that I watch that I find boring but there's no like it's not like the films that are interesting are like action films and the films that are um, boring are like just people walking around that consistency isn't there so I want to know like what what do you guys think when you watch a film that bores you what do you think it is is it like lack of originality is it pacing you know is is it is it up to like individual experience like did, did you have a shit morning when you walked into the film? Like, Interesting. Because I just feel like it's such an intuitive reaction to actually decide when you're watching a film. I'm bored. Yeah. I think, like... Well, for me, dialogue between two people, unless the content of what they're talking about is directly involved in the film and the direction of the film, unless they're talking about a side plot or something, unless the scenery is like really interesting that's what's that's what's most boring to me just dialogue between people i remember once i walked into a like i can't remember what movie it was but like i would say about halfway i asked my cousin right next to me hey dude what's the time because i don't like i I just want to get out of here at this point yeah that's a good sign when you like look down to your phone to check the time that's a bad sign yeah you're like trying to guess how long you know how long the movie's supposed to go for yeah (laughs) how much time you have left so with what you're saying nick you're saying it could be for you because this this is something i'm aware of is that if even if it does benefit the story in some way if it's not obvious to the audience that this conversation has implications for the Mm. story and for these characters then it can be seen as boring because it's like to tune out. So like, it is, which if is it's why like, conflict is never boring because it always ends with either someone, yeah, overpassing another. Yeah, unless passing. unless there, there are exceptions to this. If if the dialogue is boring, if I have other things to look at on screen, if it's just two people, like that's boring to me. But if there's like um, Grand Budapest Hotel, if like the imagery and like the um, framing and like the attention to detail in the background, the color schemes, the aesthetic of the film is interesting to look at. Then I would say that's that kind of cancels it, the boring conversation out and brings it up to level. Then it makes it appealing again. But yeah, it's that kind of attention to detail which makes it imp- like that. I think a lot of films, especially First Man, because I did watch that with you, that's what I think First Man lacked. I know what they were trying to go for in the terms of like the aesthetic. And that was like quite realistic and what was it 60s like that yeah. 60s aesthetic or, 60s. and it was like nasa and they were like kind of under budget yeah and it was like very daggy and like wasn't like sleek and sexy kind of sets and they sure they weren't under budget <laughs> well they no, spent like, a lot of money getting to the moon man 
No, I, I know, but like, did you notice like yeah, a lot of like, that, like a lot of slip, yeah. slip ups and like there was like rusted paint. When we like, think of like you know spacecraft, we think of these like large majestic like space kind of, like you know like graceful kind of fleets up to like space and everything and like mm. you know slow motion like 2001 Stanley Kubrick style shots and the idea I think that the biggest success of First Man was like I read it in a review that it made it look less like the right stuff did in like you know 2001 of like space exploration it made it more look like you know what it was this crazy fucking like you know like basically like being in a bus crash hurtling off a cliff like you know you don't know what's going to be happening you can like he pays attention yeah. to like every little detail of like with the it's, it's held together by bolts and it's expected to go out to space yeah you got like a meter separating you from yeah. like out of space that was well i like that but i i was disappointed with the movie because like say what you want about la la land and everything but like i was engaged with that film like pretty much the whole time and so yeah. like whiplash is like such a frenetic like kind of film and yeah. it was just disappointing to see I was sitting like. What do you think makes man. it boring? Well, I think it's just. I thought the ambiguity of it all and like just kind of like. There's a certain style of like filmmaking where it's almost like they're trying to hint at something deeper without really like, you know, giving you the reasons to look deeper. Uh-huh. And I, I, felt, know what you mean. I felt that the first man kind of had that with like these like hinting at or like insinuations that like there's something like, you know, that disturbs Neil Armstrong and there's something that's like driving him to this suicidal kind of like mission. But it's never, I didn't really feel like they gave it the depth or like it really had anything that really kind of like pushed it in that properly, yeah. properly engaged you. And then you, it, it gets away from you. Yeah. And then like, and it just, it just distracts you with like the flashiness of like, you know, this, like the impressiveness of his ability and everything, but like mm. they didn't focus on that as much either. And it felt like for a movie that went for two and a half hours, it like it was difficult it didn't to use a lot. Yeah, two and a half hours is a long movie. Yeah, like yeah, I watched the one with Duke. I watched the space movie with like with Duke. Well, I watched it oh, yeah. sleep and like <laughs> it goes for three hours. No, no, it's called the right stuff, and it's oh, like a fucking brilliant film. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are sick of it because it's all I talked about after watching First Man because it was all I thought about watching the movie, and that's not a good sign. No, okay. But there was there were a couple of scenes in that movie that were, I would say, one of the most engaging things in film that I've ever seen. It was the intro when he was taking off breaking through Earth's orbit into the low, like outer atmosphere right at the start when he was in See, super, yeah, those like, super right. up close shots of his face and was shaking like you really felt like I really felt engaged in that yeah. and then the second one was when he was like hurtling uncontrollably whilst they were collecting um, uh, they were after, it was after the docking procedure yeah when it, and, like, and they were like and they're just like out of nowhere they just lost control and started spinning out and yeah. like the tension of like are they gonna make this obviously they did because like we know what like the story but like still like knowing how that like they both survived made that scene like it was that scene was still so engaging and tense to me i think a good question to ask is why do you guys go to the movies do you go to the Mm. movies for two points to, to go to space because I, I I watch one kind of movie I watch action movies that's purely what I watch that's why I'll go to like to a cinema so you go to the movies to be entertained yes yeah, yeah. I, I like to be questioned and like made to feel bad about things and like <laughs> see I like I like seeing really interesting characters my biggest thing is like interesting characters that do questionable things or unquestionable things or like strong morals just anything that's like presents an interesting conflict of characters and who work together in a story that, you know, 
wants to tell me something and wants to tell me something passionately, like he's has got a message that it's trying to get through to me. That message doesn't have to be like, you know, a, a particularly moral one. The message could just be a theme or an idea. And I just think that like, that that's why I go. So that, yeah. What, what, what was the message of First Man? If you try really hard for something, you could succeed at it. See, I don't think there was a message. I think it was a dramatic re- retelling of a story. I don't think it had yeah. to, like at the base level, if you couldn't find a message, I don't think there necessarily had to be one. But did you did you find a message? Did you see a message in that villain? I'll be honest. Every time I start thinking about First Man for a bit too long, I start thinking about the right stuff. And, <laughs> and I just get distracted and I go, man, fuck that movie's awesome. <laughs> Seriously, if you haven't seen that movie, go watch it. I've been harping on for a while. All right. That's great. Okay. Well, shall we move on, Dylan? Yeah, all right. Well, we'll talk about... Um, I've been playing a lot like you know a lot of other people. I've been playing obsessively Red Dead Redemption Two because I've waited for a long enough time for it. Who here has actually like played it? I'm not assuming. me. Not I'm me. Still, Nobody still, here. I'm still on Spider Man. I still haven't finished Spider Man. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna love it. But anyway, just playing through it and like the amount of detail and the amount of ambition that they put into this thing, it feels like one of those games where like when you're playing it, you know that like in five years people are gonna still be like looking back at this one or like it's going to be seen as a watermark or like a stepping stone in the genre. And I was just wondering, do you guys have any examples of like, you know, film or whatever, where you were sitting there watching it going, you know what, this is going to be like, it's going to be held up. It's like, it's going to be an instant classic. I, I do have one game, video game in mind when you bring that up. Have you had, this is a PC exclusive. Do you know, Crisis, the crisis genre. Yeah. Solely for its uh, graphic graphic capabilities, yeah, but just that out of the world when graph- it came out. Crisis was like yeah. the benchmark for building computers. Oh, yeah, I didn't play. I've never played a been a PC time. gamer, but I remember the whole thing of like, but can it run Crisis? Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That was yeah. it. Legitimately, was a benchmark for computers rather than other games in its field, and it was like just leagues ahead of anything else that was. Yeah. Like, so on like a technical standpoint. On a technical standpoint, it was it was like a hallmark. Like the later games kind of dipped in terms of quality. Yeah, like it didn't live up to its like died now, pre- yeah. like like predecessors in terms of the graphics capabilities. But well, that's that's my. Well, point. you mean the other Crisis sequels? Yeah, the sequels yeah. like Crisis okay. Two and because they look they look pretty Warhead. good, but like no one remembers any of the Crisis games except like the first one still revered. I played like, the second up. one. I played the second one too, and it's yeah. Yeah. But at its core, Crisis was just a shooter. Yeah, it was right? an FPS with like a super suit. Okay. And like you could go so into soul and to like str- get go strong and strong and like armor up. So there's like a tactical armored super suit that would give you like invisibility cap- capabilities and you'd like infiltrate bases and kind of kill. So people. if we said if we replaced Crisis with Halo, would it be exactly the same? Story? Pretty much. Right. <laughs> pretty much actually yeah except this is like it's set in this in like year, the year 2020 on earth which is you know two years from us now yeah that's oh, we got, creepy yeah, oh, yeah what was that alright <laughs> um what are we moving on no no I was just wondering when we were going to go back to the, the point yeah which is well Dylan, the point Dylan, is like, do you guys yeah, have any you, examples like I'm asking yeah. you guys so um I think it's when <laughs> risk I, I don't know how to explain this properly. I'm going to try and sound smart and then fuck it up. Sure. I think when you go see a film 
or, or play a game, there's a certain part of your brain that is in autopilot when you're seeing the same kind of scenes or the same kind of thing happen. And the only thing that can, I think, get past that is when a, is when a film does something risky. And so I think the moment you have when you realize something is going to be really good is when something explodes out of a scene or a moment that you've never seen before. And it's almost like that realization that like the the risk has paid off. It's like, for instance, like whenever I think of memorable scenes, they've usually got like quotable lines or there's usually something warped going on within those scenes. Or like there's something that makes that moment unlike any of the other moments. Like I'll give you the example that Dylan knew I was going to bring up, which is I drink your milkshake from There'll Be Blood. You have scenes, I believe that you have, there's films, there's scenes in films where a character is like having his ability to show off to another character and say like, I was right, you were wrong, whatever. But there's something in that scene about the metaphor of like, I drink your milkshake, that when it happens, it just bursts through your brain. Mm. And I think that's what it is. I, I also think of like the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, I will not die sober. Like <laughs> these moments that just like smack you in the fucking face. And I think that's what makes something memorable. And when you realize that like the, this will be a classic. Mm. But the, in my opinion. The, <laughs> it's like, it's like the it, opposite could be said there where you, you have something that's already been done, but if you do it better, um, it could be memorable after its remake. So, Spider-Man. Yeah. This version of Spider-Man is great, even though I haven't finished it. I can tell it's a great game. I remember playing the PS2 one. In hindsight, eh, 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 Yeah. Eh. I think it's about looking at something familiar eh. in a new angle and finding something new in there that wasn't really, like, there before. Because the mechanics. It's yes, that's a, yes, yes, yes. It's in a surprising way, but it's always in a way where once it's revealed to you, you go, holy shit, like... It's almost like it knocks you out with its like you know boldness, and then it kind of pulls you back by its almost inevitability. Where like it's it's something mm-hmm. that's easily seen now and everything, but that's I guess that's what puts it in the pantheon because you had the ways of like looking at it before and everything, and now you just have a new way that becomes mm. in that stock kind of like. It's a trendsetter. It yeah. creates its own exactly. thing. Yeah. It's like yeah, it yeah, creates yeah, its yeah. own path that, like, if strong enough and is influential enough, it creates its own mm. like following. And that's like, I know like my main example of Red Dead 2 is like, it's the pinnacle because it's like, I get that, you know, it's this massive, massive company and not every company has the power and the reach that Rockstar Games does. But like the amount of ambition, the fact that these guys are at the very top of like this league and they know it and everyone knows it and they could easily play it in the safe way of like, we'll put out another Grand Theft Auto, it'll make a shitload of money. Mm. We could put out anything. Not it doesn't Assassin's Creed. Yeah, just remember, the first Red matter. Dead came out in 2010. The first Red Dead came out in like 2004, but Red Dead Redemption was Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. So how many Red Dead games are there now? There's three now, but it's like, we kind of ignore the first one. But like the <laughs> amount of ambition that they did, like the amount of obvious effort and like attempts to kind of push forward the medium that these guys are doing in the position that they're doing is just really kind of, um, it's just really impressive. And it's mm. really cool to see because it's like, there's so many companies out there putting shit to make a quick buck and like, you know, Using the shortcuts of like, I these think you'll need to put out some shit to make good shit. Oh, you need to like, yeah, you, you need, need to, to pay have, the bills, you need but, to like, fail, yeah, many times to find out what people like. Like, well, but know. in Rocksteady's case, they're putting out the same thing, they're not failing, they're just putting out here's another Grand Theft Auto, yeah, but they're not, they're not doing like 
at every year. They're not innovating. They're not like oh, killing. They've been doing it, but that's the thing. They are. That's what I'm saying. They're just not doing it in games. Like for instance, Assassin's Creed. They're they're innovating. Like they're making new mechanisms and stuff, but they're releasing them every game, oh, which is like every year. Now, yeah. And that's what's like people are like just getting a little bit of like a taste every game, like of something new. And then at the moment now they've got like eight games out. Boring. I guess COD's the biggest one because Assassin's Creed is trying to like go in a fair bit of a different direction. Yeah. But like Call of Duty, every single fucking. Year. Yeah, but the thing mm. with Call of Duty is that like at its core, Call of Duty is a shooter. Yeah, How yeah. much can you change a shooter? You but that's the thing. You can't like yeah, at the core of it, you can't really change the core mechanic. But like you can try to come at it from something new. And if you're pumping out a game every single year. Yeah, you're not gonna have that you're flexibility. You're not gonna have the mm, yeah. You're yeah. not gonna have the flexibility, and it's obvious that it's like the main thing you care about is the financial like benefits. But the thing is, Call of Duty has an audience already oh, who are yeah. waiting to spend an m- amount of money that they they know they're gonna make a profit on their games, and all they need to do is make a solid game that doesn't have too many bugs in it that will work <laughs> and has multiplayer and like unlocks and you know skins and whatnot yeah. and people they know it's a safe bet people will buy them they'll make money at what this, anything not, cod reminds me of a distraction dude, exactly at, at this what point kind of they're like though? the transformers of for video life. games where it's like they're almost like they're shamelessly in it for financial benefit but like people kind of don't give a fuck anymore yeah and yeah. call of duty knows it now yeah but red i think that's what separates like was it roxy rockstar rockstar yeah roxy's batman yeah. batman yeah. games rockstar <laughs> The Rockstar games are taking their time with their like their franchise franchises. Oh, yeah. it, have they like announced their GTA? No, because they, they did a game. Or they're up six. to six. They did a game every year from like for about ten years, and then after GTA Five, which sold like a fucking like a ridiculous amount, like made yeah. a ridiculous amount of money, they didn't do a game for five years, and now Red Dead Two's out, and it's like you can see the effort. Well, they didn't do a game, but they released constant updates for GTA Five. Yeah, that's what everyone was worried about because they put it out for online. Because it was like, like GTA Five was like arguably printer. like a perfect game, like for what what it was, like oh. open world shooter, like real life simulation. Well, that was another one in the same vein of like you can tell this one's going to do something, so you can tell people are going to be looking at it for like definitely you know inspiration. All right, shall we move on? All right, well, I'm introducing a new segment, guys. This is called Nick's Picks, and I'm going to tell you my five, <laughs> my five top picks in film and TV and game. Number five is the Diamond Pickaxe. Is this for the week or? No, it's it's for the podcast. Diamond Pickaxe from the Minecraft video game. Really good. It was like the pinnacle, like in the beta games, Diamond Pickaxe was like the thing to get because it was like really like really strong and like mined everything. Like, super fast. And um, was, like, super strong. It didn't break. Number four is uh, the ice pick weapon from Basic Instinct. And remember... Uh, okay, right. At the yeah, start. Michael Douglas, just just too slow to miss that. But it was a fucking brutal murder with an ice pick. Was that Michael Douglas? No, it wasn't, no he missed the murder. Like, he oh, was just too late. He figured it out. And yeah. this dude was fucking massacred with this ice pick in the neck. It was fucking brutal. Spoilers, by the way. You know, it took me about, like, just till then to realize that when you said picks, you meant literal picks. Yeah, it's Nick's picks, guys. <laughs> Number three, uh, guitar pick of Satan from Pick of Destiny. The oh, movie. my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great movie, by the way. The uh, guitar pick. Um, 
Fuck. Who's seen that movie, but I have. I've yeah. seen that movie too many fucking times. I've seen it once. I'm like, do I want to watch this again? Well, I had to hide it eventually because oh, wow. every time anyone would come around, they'd want to watch it. And I'm like turning to Tim just saying, get the fuck out of my sight. <laughs> yeah. After the, uh, after the pick of Satan that makes them into fucking God star rock stars. Grace the hands of Pete Townsend. And it actually blew a guy's mind, like literally. Yeah. I love it's it. a great movie, actually. It's really fun. It was a good weekend, that watch. Then number two on Nick's picks, the toothpick from Drive. You ever see Drive? No. With yeah. Ryan Gosling. Speaking of uh, First Man, Ryan Gosling <laughs> doesn't fucking talk in that movie. Like he's like he says like five lines, and every scene he has like a fucking little toothpick in the corner of his mouth. It's like real sexy and slight. Looks cool as. Number one. Who's he of, kill with that? Huh? Who's he kill with that? He doesn't kill anyone with it, but he just has oh, it. It's, in just, his, there. it's yeah. just there. It's like oh, a nice yeah. little character thing. He's got a little toothpick. I thought I'd completely forgotten like a core as murder where he just kills someone with a toothpick. Like no. takes it out after his speech he and says he's like, yeah. He does. Oh, that. he does, yeah. And a shotgun that's fucking mad. Yeah, anyway. Like Christina Hendricks' head getting blown halfway to shit. Like, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Number one on Nick's picks list is the rock pick from Shawshank Redemption. That little that little little pick that he has in his little Bible, the yeah. little Bible book. His escape tool. Ticking, ticking away at the wall for, what was it, like 11 years? Finally gets out with that little little rock hammer pick. And uh, that concludes Nick's picks for this this fine week. What? That was, that was a little bit funny. Can I it, ask, was, it was kind of funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. I asked, what determines the rankings? It was what, well, it it's Nick's picks. It's what I thought was. Oh, it's just because you know. <laughs> it's not called picks. picks. It's, it's Nick's called picks. Nick's picks. Yeah. So, so it's most interesting to, to the guys listening, if you agree with Nick's picks, let us know. Or if you have any other picks that I might be interested in or missed, it could be anything. Guitar picks, toothpicks. Can we, look, I know a lot of words rhyme with Nick. Can we just like make it like a different thing every time? And I know what you're thinking. Nick sticks. <laughs> there we go. Nick sticks. <laughs> Nick's you can be the best male four-frontal male movie. What, what are the big? What are the best dicks in movies? What are the best dicks? Well, in that's in, don't, don't spoil it, guys. That's the next segment. All right. <laughs> I, love, I love a cheeky flaccid dick that just pops up. They just hang uh, around. Uh, what was that? Boogie Nights. That I think you have Eddie shocking. Murphy. Oh, that's that's, that's probably going to be number that's one. That's fake, right. dude, man. Yeah, it was prosthetic, but... It's so. prosthetic, but I feel like Mark Werber probably still has it. And he's I, like, I saw... Speaking of that, I saw Boogie Nights before... Great movie. Before I knew who Mark Wahlberg was, and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. And then I saw, like, I saw a bunch of his films, and I'm like, oh, that's Mark Wahlberg. And I knew the, the actor and other things he'd been in after Boogie Nights. Then I rewatched Boogie Nights, and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. that guy that I knew from that film I didn't know was Mark Wahlberg. It was Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Great. Should love when that happens. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I guess the other night where I watched Superbad and I'm like, oh, what the fuck are all these people doing in this yeah. film? <laughs> John Cena. No, not John Cena. John Cena. Michael Cera. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, guys. All right, that's it. That's it. Let, let us know if you want more Nick's picks. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Um, we're going to catch us on Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, Google Podcasts, and if you're like eight weeks behind, YouTube. See you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.